Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of the TES International Podcast with me, Dan Worth. Today, we hear from Shirley Jakobsen, the head of the International Primary School at Rheingard International School in Copenhagen, Denmark, about her experiences of being back at school for four weeks now since initially closing due to the coronavirus pandemic. Shirley, hi there. Thank you so much for joining us. So you've been back for four weeks now. What was that like? What was that first day like particularly? And then how have things sort of progressed over the last four weeks? Yes, well, um, our Danish Prime Minister, she talked to us in a press conference just before Easter and said that the Danish primary schools would be the first um, to open up the whole of Denmark. So they would be the, the reopening of Denmark. So that was uh, both scary, and uh, but also... Uh, we were very happy actually in the sense that we had had a month of online teaching and uh, distance learning and um, you know teachers are always keen to to work with the children in real life so so we were pleased in a way but also quite anxious um, to start uh, on the 15th of April so it was announced on the 6th of April just before Easter and we actually started back on the Wednesday after Easter so um, yeah, so our first day um, was interesting in the sense that we were the first people to go out of our homes and uh, the streets were very quiet, <laughs> but um, we went and uh, I wasn't sure exactly how many families would, would come and would send their children back to school, but the, the majority did. Uh, and we had staggered starting times, uh, starting arrive, arrival, times so we started with reception class because I wanted them to arrive uh, when nobody else was there so that they would have the place all to themselves. Uh, I was a little bit worried because I wasn't sure how the reception class children would react after they'd been at home for such a long time with their parents um, but actually I needn't have worried because they were, we had no tears they were fine. Um, I had organised that uh, a teacher would come to the gate uh, for each of the year levels so they would meet the children and they were so pleased to see the teacher and to see each other that completely overrode any anxiety whatsoever so all of the children were actually really fine and they came in on that first day and we made sure that they came in in ones and we taught them how to line up with a meter between them and to walk um, with good spacing between them uh, all the way to the classrooms and then we had divided the classrooms so that each class was in two classrooms um, because the idea is that the desks are two metres apart. Uh, so we needed to have um, two classrooms per class. Uh, so, yeah, so many mm. of the children were actually not in their own classroom. They were in another class uh, and sometimes in another building, but they were shown to the new classroom and they had their name on their desk and that would be their desk for the next four weeks. And they, they were actually fine. They, they, they came in very easily. And yeah, so, the, mm. so my fears were allayed within about the first 10 minutes, actually. Um, I was very pleased. It, 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 the first morning went very well. That's really interesting. I suppose, you know, if we put aside the, the politics of it, but that, that, that idea of of how children will adapt to new sort of social distancing and, and different classroom setups is, is understandably a concern a lot of teachers have in, in many ways but it sounds like the experience you've had at least is that if you set out the rules and, and make it clear and, and give them the guidance that they sort of they like then then they will actually adapt and, and sort of just and, and can do it yeah they did adapt very very quickly actually they very quickly got used to 
um, coming, obviously arriving at school at the right time. And we said, please don't arrive before or after. That's quite difficult, but we actually hmm. tried to uh, make sure that just the children of a year group would arrive at a particular time. We also tried to um, have them arriving at different places so that, you know, we had three places where children were coming into school rather than, you know, bottling, having a bottleneck at one place. Um, so different year groups were coming in at different places. And then once they got into the building, um, we have set up sanitizers, uh, hand sanitizers at every entrance to the school. So then they come in and they sanitize their hands. We had told the parents that they must come to school with thoroughly washed hands. But of course, we don't know what they've been doing between <laughs> being at home and being at school. But at least then their hands are, are sanitized as soon as they come into school. Um, because we didn't have the capacity to have them all going and washing their hands as soon as they arrived at school. Some children did, they went to the bathroom, washed their hands, but as long as all children had sanitised their hands, that was, that was fine by us. And then what the teachers did after that was during the lesson time, they worked out a rotor for the children to go to the bathroom and wash their hands. And as long as the children were washing their hands, at least every two hours, then, then that was fine. The most important thing was sanitizing their hands. Um, so they soon got used to, they got used to sanitizing their hands as they went out to play, also when they come back in from play. And um, very, very quickly within the first three days, I think most children were completely in the habit of, um, of, of doing that. Um, yeah, so yeah. they learn the routines very, very quickly, actually. And also, you know, sometimes the cleaners, they come into the classrooms while they're actually in the classrooms during the, because we've, um, we have, we now have cleaning twice a day. So there's cleaning when the children have gone home, but there's also cleaning during class time. We can't do the rotor so that the cleaners are just in when the children are out at break. So sometimes the cleaners are in while the children are in and you know we just say to the children okay it's time for the cleaners and then the children just get up and walk back from their desks and then they clean the tables and clean all the surfaces that are um desks tables um handles door handles that sort of thing um and then one one cleaner comes in and washes them all and another cleaner comes in and disinfects everything uh, and then the children sit down and carry on so again we've got into that routine um, very quickly, actually, uh, mm. we got into routine. So it's very much about, yeah, like you say, routines and the children adapted so quickly, actually. That's very interesting. And I suppose we'll come on in a moment to talk about lessons themselves, but from, from the teacher's point of view as well. And again, you know, there'll be teachers all around the world who are maybe just, you know, facing the prospect of going back or, or, or thinking about it in the weeks ahead. How, how have the staff at your school, you know, how, what kind of, I guess, provisions did you put in place to help them find it? You know feel comfortable going back and, and again how do you see that they've adapted to these new rules because i guess it's a you know it's a big obviously a huge change for them as well and um maybe yeah. they found the child the changes just as hard if not harder than the children yes um we had a, a, a very um yeah large set of guidelines from the danish government from the danish ministry of health uh which came to us in danish so that was quickly translated um, and sent out to all the teachers over the Easter break. So then they could read those and inwardly digest all the, all the rules. And mm. uh, yeah, how, how also about the, you know, COVID-19 and, and, and they could just read all, uh, all the guidelines. Um, and then we also met 
uh, one day before we met with the children. So they had the opportunity to come into school to talk and talk to each other, talk to me, uh, ask any questions. And also just simply to, um, to practice social distancing with each other because, you know, many of them had spent four to five weeks at home with their families, hadn't really been out at all or anywhere um, because we were the very first thing to open in Denmark. Most people had just been at home. So, mm. um, so it was a case of, you know, walking down a corridor and trying to think, okay, who's going first and <laughs> opening doors and all of this thing. Um, sort of things um, you know the teachers had to get used to being around each other as colleagues as well so I think you know from the point of view of opening a school I think it's very important that the staff meet together first uh, and have an opportunity to meet uh, and just get used to being with each other first before the children come to school. And from that sort of initial engagement on that and almost like you said the almost the practicing of it did anything come to light that you changed or did it actually all seem actually worked quite well and, and actually it wasn't quite as difficult as people thought or you know, again how did that process sort of evolve? Well we had planned in minute detail actually everything really um, so so everything did go okay but um, we started for example with staggered arrival times where there was 10 minutes between each year group and I think that was a good uh, interval to start with because um, everybody did need to get used to the new routines and uh, it did allow for for more space for everybody to get used to being near each other again um, but now we've we've quickened the arrival and departure times um, to five minutes and even three minutes so the children are very used to coming in now um, at much faster times so uh, I would say over over the course of four weeks, we have, um, yeah, we've, we've adapted and, and, and made things easier and, and people have got used to things going a lot quicker. Um, but as to actually changing anything, um, I don't think we actually changed anything. It was just that a lot of things did come up in the beginning. For example, just the question of can a child bring anything in to celebrate a birthday? Um, and that was a question that nobody would thought about. And you know so we had to think about that question um and and so um a few days after we thought about that question the the government guideline came out no nothing comes into school nothing at all so we had we we don't have any meals uh, you know outside meals coming into school or um, being delivered or anything so children can't bring in anything to share on a birthday we just you know obviously I have to try and celebrate it in another way by um, singing for them and you know making them feel very special but basically the children uh, had to bring all their own things into school they can't borrow anything from the school so they have all their own equipment they have to bring in their own lunch um, water in a bottle they have to bring in their own pencil case um, we've also done away with uh, hanging the coat up in a cloakroom because we didn't want people congregating in the cloakroom or their coats touching each other so they just bring their coat in put it on the back of their chair and basically their chair and their desk and their space is their space for the day um, so they are not touching anybody else's things they're not lending anything to anybody else so in some ways it's um, you could say a bit sad because, of course, we, you know, we're used to saying to children, now be generous and be kind. And now we're saying, no, do not lend anything to anybody. Um, but they're having to learn that now and learn why. And, uh, and it has made them very much more independent um, because we also wrote to the parents and said, 
um, please make sure that when you do send in a water bottle and uh, a lunch box that the children can actually open it for themselves especially you know down in reception class in year one it's very important they can do that themselves because the, the the teachers don't want to be touching all the things that belong to the children so there's little things like that that you know the the letters that went out to the parents became very detailed in places um you know children had to be able to do their own shoe you know mm. velcro for the shoes and not shoelaces or whatever because the you know the teachers didn't want to be doing up the shoelaces so they have to be able to dress themselves um we don't change for for gym lessons for example they just have to come in trainers and they just stay as they are so it's it's simplifying everything so that the children can be totally independent uh, and the teachers are not touching all the children's things and the children can manage on their own That's so yeah, very interesting. And I, I suppose in some well, ways, yeah, teachers all around the world will, will sort of learn those sort of little things. But it sounds like the overall, I guess, advice or your experiences that start at the sort of extreme end with like, you know, 10 minutes between arrival and, and all those sort of things. And actually over time, you can sort of work it down into maybe less extreme things because exactly. it's when people adapt yes. and understand what's expected of them. Mm. And I would say the very first day as well, uh, it was all about hygiene and health and washing your hands and i know in uh, the press around the world it was like oh danish schools have opened and all they're doing is washing their hands and, <laughs> and it probably was true more or less on the first day because we also taught the children you know how to wash their hands thoroughly and how to use the sanitizer and mm. you know so we were doing all of those things setting up the routines uh, on the very first day so the very first day was very much about health hygiene social distancing and putting those routines in place uh, and, and the same for the teachers if there were any teachers who were really anxious about being near the children um, you know my advice to them was simply you know you don't have to go walking around the class just stand at the front of the class and just teach from the front until you get used to the idea of being there and I mean now our teachers are very used to being there it's no problem but you know if there is a particularly anxious person um, going back into the workplace you know it, then of course um, you know of course we want the children to be educated but in the first two or three days I mean you know it doesn't matter if you haven't walked around every child to see exactly what they're doing at their desk you know it, it's I said to the teachers the most important thing is that you feel comfortable keeping a two meter distance from the children um, and then they they get used to it after a while yeah well you, you sort of preempted my next sort of set of questions there which was going to be so if once you've done all this and you've sort of created that environment and, and people you know know what to do and the children seem to have, you know they've adapted in terms of actual teaching and, and time in lessons again how is that worked out i mean it's interesting you sort of it sounds like there already there's there's not the expectation in terms of you know the content and, and i guess curriculum even that you're going to be getting through but presumably you you can still teach children can still learn you just have to sort of find new ways around Whereas before you may go to, to a book and look at it and pick it up and mark it there or something like that, you have to do things very differently now. Yes, yeah. I mean, in, before we were doing very much group work, peer, peer work, um, doing a lot of, uh, for the little ones, they would be on the, on the carpet much of the time. Whereas now, of course, we've had to roll up the carpet and put all the toys away that can't be washed. So... Um, so that changed the layout of the classroom completely to start with um you know having to have children sitting at desks uh so what the teachers have done um 
is trying to work out, obviously they're trying to make the lessons as interesting as possible, but it does uh, limit maybe the sort of fun stuff. I know some of the teachers have been frustrated that they can't introduce a topic or consolidate a topic as easily when you can't do group work and, and peer work. Although having said that, um, we have been blessed with some really beautiful days actually um, since all of this started and so we've actually managed to have quite a lot of lessons outside so if the teachers have wanted to do group work or or peer work or whatever we've actually taken the whole class outside and we you know it's so much easier to keep them at a distance from each other uh, and and work as a class but basically in the classroom um, it, it's a case of that they're with the with the class teacher in one class and with a support teacher in the other class and then either the teacher teaches one lesson in one classroom and then swaps with the support teacher and teaches the same lesson in the other classroom or or teaches it to the support teacher to to do with the other half of the class or some teachers have also been um you know on microsoft teams for example um videoing themselves teaching a lesson in one classroom whilst it's being relayed in another classroom that's also another mm. possibility on the interactive whiteboard so they've been finding out ways of of doing this um but it is a different way of teaching very much um we're trying to work in things like for example every child has their own whiteboard we've given every child their own marker pen so they keep that on their desk and if for example in maths if the teacher's modeling uh, work then the children can work on the on a whiteboard and easily show the teacher what that looks like on a whiteboard because of course it's slightly bigger writing than it would be if it was in their book mm. um, so we can we, we do a lot of work with the with the whiteboard one of the good things that has come out of this is because there's only 10 to 12 children in a class in 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 a classroom um, when the children have done any writing or any um, yeah creative writing or poetry or whatever um that it actually means that every child can actually read it out because you know when you're in a class of 24 you can't you, can, you can't wait for every child to say everything but mm. actually when you 10 um what the teachers have noticed is that no no child is goes unseen for any period of time at all you know you can see all the time what all the children are doing so uh, actually there's been a lot more discussion work and children have shared their work and then other children of course can then um you know give positive criticism to that work so so there's been a lot of positives that have come out of this as well actually because it does allow you to do that much more discussion work than maybe you manage to have time for as a class when you've got 24 in the class or more yeah, that's very interesting, isn't it? I suppose, like you say, it's a sort of the unexpected consequences of, of something like this is, is something like that, where a teacher actually maybe can do more with, with each pupil and, and give more direct feedback on something, which, like you say, is not, not the circumstances in which you'd wish it to happen, but if it's there, no. I suppose no. it's, a <laughs> it's, it's a positive to nonetheless, you know. It's, it's a positive to how it is, you know. I mean, we, we sort of say it is what it is. Mm. Um, you know, obviously there's every teacher would prefer to be teaching the way they normally teach and it is more hard work for them to be thinking how how they can teach under these circumstances but having said that the children are learning and the children um you know some of the teachers are saying that they've managed to get through all of the curriculum actually at a faster pace because the children are having to work independently 
um, and they're having to just get on with it. There's less disputes because the children are sitting two meters from each other, so they can't annoy each other or aggravate each other when they're two meters away from each other. So from that point of view, it's been very quiet, very calm. Um, you know, it's actually it's actually been an advantage from that point of view. Do you, do you think the children, because I think, you know, even all, all school have rules in normal times and children still sort of disobey those rules and they, you know, they, they get into sort of play fights, whatever it might be. Do you think there's a sense that, do you think they understand that there's a deeper meaning to this social distancing and that they have to do it? It's not just a kind of a school rule and, you know, sometimes they might want to lean over and, you know, play with, you know, chat with their friend or something. It's like they understand this is something that there's a they do more seriousness. Yeah. yeah. I think they do understand, yes, because there's been so much going on around them and when they go home as well. Um, also, we're an international school, so many of them come from countries where they do actually know people personally who are affected. We, ha we, you know, we have children from Italy and Spain and all of these countries mm. where, you know, they, they actually do, they are, they are affected um, by it. So, um, yeah, I think they do understand and they do understand that it's a special time um, and they've, they've risen to the occasion, actually. They've been marvellous and, um, you know, even playing outside, they've, they've not had anything to play with because, we, you know, we haven't given them any equipment. Some, some children have asked for a ball and we have washed and disinfected that ball and then, you know, they've taken it out and played in a group of five or six uh, and then we had to wash and disinfect it when it came in. That was part of the Danish uh, rules. Mm. Um, but apart from that, they've not really had anything they can take out to play with them. But they have actually played really, really well together. And they've made up games and they've actually been very creative in how they've played. And I would say that there are actually less disputes now that they have played so well together. But, um, yeah, we haven't, mm. we just had those playground disputes and I think I think everybody knows that the alternative is that you're at home doing this distance learning and they would much rather be in school with their friends so you know they're making it work that's, so, yeah. that, I mean that's lovely to hear and, and do you think I mean I suppose two questions in some ways maybe, maybe they work together is that obviously over that four week period that you've been through have you seen any sort of change in that they're, they're starting to you know that the novelty of it all is wearing off or that they're suddenly thinking okay when do we actually get to go back to what we perceive as normal and I guess within that do you see them as children and, and sort of being you know carefree and learning and, and having fun at school and all the sort of good things that school should be do you ever see any sort of moments of worry where you think yeah they're, they're dealing with this well but they've sort of lost some of that sort of carefree nature they had or do you still sort of see them as the young fun sort of you know vibrant classrooms that, that they always were um, I think it's a quieter um, working atmosphere in the actual class itself um, because they are sitting on their own and they're working on their own. So it's a it's a much more sort of quiet atmosphere in the classroom itself. But I would say out out in the playground, it's just lovely to hear the normal laughter and shouting and screaming and enjoying themselves that they always they always mm. had. They're happy actually. The children are very happy both in the class. And outside, when I've asked them, you know, are you, is it, a, you know, how do you feel about all these restrictions? And they've said, oh, it's fine. You know, some of the children are actually really happy to have a whole desk to themselves and <laughs> spread out. And <laughs> they say, oh, they like it and they prefer it to the to the old class. Um, and many of them actually felt very privileged to move up a classroom because we had, because the desks, of course, are all different sizes for the different children. 
um, you know, the year ones, of course, are in year one, but the year as you go up the school, um, it meant that, you know, the year twos are sitting at the year four desks and the year fours are in fives and sixes and the year fives and sixes are now up in the secondary school at their desks. So, you know, they've actually felt very, um, felt quite grown up, actually, mm. because they're, they're now sitting in the classrooms of their older brothers or sisters. And, um, you know, so for many of them, um, they felt that they'd really sort of moved up in the world. So they, they've actually been fine. The, the children have really um, not been any different from how they normally are. They were just so happy to be back at school and they just adapted to the new norm, as it were. And, mm. um, you know, half of them probably forgotten how it was before anyway. Yeah. Well, on that as well, do you think, um, what's it been like with, um, what, what, what do you do when, when a child sort of, I don't know, suddenly displays a potential, you know, a symptom or, or a sign or even just coughing or something how do you how do you deal with that um is that sort of much more stringent now i presume yes yeah um yeah unfortunately you know even the mildest of symptoms of anything whether it's a cold a cough um we just unfortunately have to ask them to go home um so we have to take them to the we have a an area where they sit on their own near the main reception area and we ring the parents and then the parents have to come and, and take them home, unfortunately. And um, we do have the, the Danish guidelines are that the children have to stay at home um, for 48 hours after the last symptom has disappeared. So it does mean, unfortunately, that, you know, if they go home with a tummy ache, for example, and the tummy ache disappears within two or three hours, it actually does mean they can't come to school the following day. Um, they have to wait till the day after to come back to school. But unfortunately, that's just the reality of what we're living in at the moment. Mm. And, do you, so, and did you have many um, children or, you know, the, where the parents were not comfortable sending the children back? Have you had many who just refused to come back? Or did that, did the, did that happen in the first week and sort of start to people got less concerned, as it were, after week two? Or how's that been? Yeah, there was a lot of um, anxiety at the beginning, especially also in the Danish press of the, the children going to back to school because, you know, some people thought, oh, you know, why are these children being guinea pigs and, you know, why are we doing this? Um, so there were one or two parents who were very anxious uh, and didn't send their children the first day. Um, but I think after the first two or three days, they heard from the other parents how it was and the stringent um, things that we put in place. Um, both in terms of cleaning and hygiene and social distancing, um, and that the children were restricted to one teacher and one support teacher and restricted to one building. So, you know, they were only mixing with one class and, and two teachers. Um, so when they realised that all these restrictions had been put in place and uh, they were under very, um, yeah, a safe, in a way, as safe as it could be environment, mm -hmm. um, by after three days I would say that we had most people back apart from those families of course that had a reason um, to keep the children at home because they were a high-risk family um, and those people had been to the doctor to get a recommendation of whether they should send their children back or not so if there was a vulnerable person at home whether it was the parent or another brother or sister or whatever um, then those children did not come back to school. And then, of course, we have to carry on with the distance learning for those children. I was going to ask about that. that, that, that does that mean that staff are still providing distance learning? And if so, what well, you said they are, is that the same staff that are also teaching in the classroom? Or have you sort of 
of some teachers just remained as remote teachers and others are now in the class? Um, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's quite difficult in a way to also be doing the distance learning, but as, as near as possible, they are sending home the stuff that they're doing in the class. Um, but of course, it's not always easy because sometimes what you're doing in class um, is difficult for somebody to just be doing a distance learning. So it, it, it just depends. Sometimes they might send something different home. Um, but, but as much as possible, they try and keep them up with what's going on in class. No, I see that's, that. Yeah, that's interesting. I can see the sort of difficulty when you're teaching in a, in a lesson is not always going to translate to a remote learning setup, which mm -hmm. is a sort of balance to strike, isn't it? But I guess that's something just is, you yeah. have to work through. Um, overall, yeah. then it sounds like it sounds like then the four weeks, you know, have gone well, and that and that you've adapted, and and that the changes you've made from the way you talked about it haven't been dramatic. It wasn't as if anything was planned for the, and then after three days you realised it wasn't going to work. It's been more sort of evolution and, and subtle changes and, and so forth. But that, that overall, it's gone as well as you could hope, I suppose. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because I mean, we we have said to, you know, the parents that this is still emergency schooling. Uh, it's not normal school. Uh, and so in that sense, the expectations are different from they would be in, in normal schooling. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about the curriculum and some areas of the curriculum have been a little bit more difficult. For example, the music teacher can't um, teach all the classes that she would normally be teaching because that would put her... Um, you know, meeting over 100 children, in fact, 200 children. So because she's been used as a support teacher for one class, she can only send plans, music plans to the other teachers to teach to the children as if it were, were still distance learning. Uh, and of course, that's easier for some teachers and more difficult for other teachers to teach from other people's plans, especially mm. if you're not particularly a musical person yourself <laughs> oh well, that's interesting so, so just to clarify what you're saying there is that each teacher just stays in the one room with the one set of pupils all day and they actually rather than the pupils going to different lessons they just that teacher has to deliver the other teachers subjects we didn't want the children moving around the school uh, we wanted them to stay in the same place and as i say to have the the same desk so that they would never um, be touching things in other rooms um, so normally the children might go to another room, for example, music or Danish or even a religion class, but we, we, we wanted them to stay in the same room. So that's how we organised it, that the class teacher would be with the children um, for all of the school day and um, the other teachers would send their plans to the class teacher and the class teacher would then teach that lesson to the children. So all of the lessons are taught by the class teacher. Um, and then these other mm. subject teachers, such as, for example, the music teacher, then becomes a, a support teacher. Some teachers have found that quite difficult. Also, um, we have Danish lessons. So the Danish teachers have also needed to send the, the, the work to, to the other teachers. So um, it's, it's mainly been in the hands of the class teacher to teach the children all these other subjects, which would sometimes have a subject teacher teaching them. Um, but that's also been a consequence of, of the emergency schooling that we've had. So we have, you know, said to people all along, this is this is not ideal. It's not ideal schooling. We prefer to be teaching as we normally teach. But 
um, in the circumstances, I think it's gone really, really well. I think they've done really well. Both the children and 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 the teachers have been mm. so flexible, adaptable, um, just got on with it really, and, and with very few complaints and very few, um, yeah. And everybody's just realizing that these are the times we're in. Uh, we have to work together as a team. We have to make it work um, as best as we can, and uh, to make it, you know. A, lovely day for everybody as much as possible so yeah, yeah no i it has that's gone excellent. well from that well that, that's great to hear i think i think you know i think all countries will be different in how they manage this and i think you know some will have different reservations and different sort of concerns but but the broad idea of you know providing schooling back to children and giving them a form of education even if it is as you say emergency is is what many people would like to be back in in that world and and if if that does happen and things are done safely and there's a sort of uh, a clear ability to do it safely that the, the outcome can be can be quite positive you know just to see the joy on the children's faces is is reward enough i mean it's it's just lovely to see that they're so happy mm. to be back with their friends at school um you know especially the younger children you know obviously older children um do use social media but you know the very little children they're 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 basically isolated with their families at home and and you know they hadn't really heard or seen anything of their friends for months or you know five weeks so they were just overjoyed to see each other again really uh, and they just continued to enjoy each other's company so um yeah, because of course when they go home um you know we're still locked down denmark we're still uh, there's still not a lot else happening. So, you know, at the end of the day, they still just go back home to their families. Um, so for them as well, school is the only opportunity they have to go out and see other people. And so they obviously thrive on that um, socialness of being with other people and seeing other people apart from their families. Because the rest of the day, they are with their family. Well, no, that's really interesting stuff. I think, you know, teachers around the world will be very interested to hear that. And then obviously, again, all, all situations and settings will be different. But I think the sort of the, the insights you've provided there and, and so much of it being so sort of positive whilst accepting that it's not a normal situation, I think is it will hopefully be sort of, you know, if, if not uplifting, then sort of reassuring. I think the most important thing is to say that it is possible. Um, mm. You know, start, you think, oh, is this going to work um but, but i think we have seen that it has worked and actually uh in denmark even though we started at much lower levels um than many countries uh and we've been very fortunate in that respect obviously the question on everybody's minds when we open the primary schools is will our you know curves start to go up again will the no number of new cases start to go up again and that has actually not been the case uh our, our levels have continued to go down um, so we haven't seen a significant effect of the opening of the primary schools and so that has been really good to see and obviously you know we were anxious when we started wondering would that affect the country uh, as a whole but it, mm. it does seem to have affected the country as a whole in terms of new cases so um so that's also been positive uh, as well but of course i do appreciate we started from a much lower level than mm. some other countries are dealing with at present no absolutely like, like you said all very different but but again that's a reassuring sort of insight nonetheless i think really interesting stuff i think people you know will have taken a lot from that so i really appreciate your time at what you know i'm sure you're you're very busy sort of continuing to plan for the future but yeah <laughs> um, so thank you very much indeed you're welcome